Hey, it's your boy, the Big Aristotle Shack, and this is the Prime Time Podcast from the Bros Who Think Network. Bitches. What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Primetime Podcast. I got my guy, Lyndon Burton, with me. Lyndon, what's up, man? Not much, man. Doing well. Glad to be back. Second week, we're making this thing consistent. I'm super excited. For those out there like listening to this, I'm glad you're listening on the audio version. But for those out there on YouTube, welcome. I know the first week we didn't get clips out, but this week we will. I had a change in my, my schedule, so... This week, will the YouTube will be utilized by primetime. So if you want to see the the interview, I'm not going to jump the gun because you that's you on outside. If you want to see the interview we're doing today, that'll be on YouTube by the time you guys hear this audio. And then throughout the weeks, different parts of this podcast will be clipped up on YouTube. So super excited to see where this podcast grows. But I'm doing well, man. Can't complain. The Saints actually drafted who we were supposed to draft. But I'm not going to jump the gun. We'll talk about it in a little bit. <laughs> so, so, so let's uh let's just go over what we're going to talk about because like you alluded to leah van of the advocate joins us to talk lsu baseball is uh got to record that with her earlier today uh we'll talk nfl draft we'll definitely talk about the saints picks kind of just talk about some teams there were some surprises i mean uh arizona what arizona did what houston did a lot of people were blown away in that first round uh obviously Leah Vance coming on, so we'll talk LSU baseball, and then we'll round it out with the NBA as we are on to round two. And Mm -hmm. I think that there are some interesting, intriguing matchups, right? Very much Injuries playing a big part as we see a guy like Jimmy Butler get hurt last night. And and, You called it too, by the way. Got to give you credit for the Milwaukee call. I was totally wrong about that. And and even more so, right? Um, One of the craziest thing stat wise i've seen first time that all eight seeds have ever been represented in round two of the nba draft interesting that's kind of interesting yeah right it it shows that one injuries played a big part this year so far and they continue to and two that the nba may be starting to get a little bit more level balanced right A little and more see, level, a little more balance. I'll, I'll give you my theory with that after we, uh, once we get get uh, the Leo Van, once we get back from the Leo Van. So let, let's hop into it. Uh, first, let's talk about the NFL draft. Um, as we see a uh, a good event, Kansas City looked packed. Um, I thought it was exciting <laughs> to see uh, an environment in Kansas City. Man, tell you what, New Orleans deserves it. Absolutely. You know, you do it same weekend like we talked about last week with the Zurich Classic. You have a Jazz Fest going on during the weekend. Would be an awesome thing to watch. But let's dive into these. Wait, real quick, just to just to add to what you're saying. The NFL broke a draft attendance. The total attendance for the weekend was three hundred and twelve thousand people. The first night uh, saw one hundred and twenty five thousand. Night two saw eighty four thousand and then uh day three, which you would think would drop down, had a hundred and three thousand people. So people are clamoring for this NFL draft. And if it goes to New Orleans, it's I, I 
I could see that number being increased if it goes to New Orleans, just because of the party aspect. There's more to do. And I know people say, oh, the food of Kansas City, the food of New Orleans. Like, Kansas City just has barbecue. New Orleans low-key has barbecue and then other stuff. Yeah. Um, first off, who goes to the NFL draft? Right? right? Like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you supposed to do? Stand around with Saints fans and cheer and wave the Roger Goodell with the clown mask shirt on? Like, if you're not a media member, why are you there? If you're not a media member, someone's family member, why are you there? Like, like I, I, I enjoy watching the draft, right? In my I, house. <laughs> I, I enjoy watching. I enjoy being comfortable. I enjoy having the multi-screen going on. Being having Twitter watch. open, like doing Ab- all. Absolutely. Do you think these people could get Twitter while they were at the NFL draft? Bro, hell no. Because no. I think about the service and at six o'clock in Lafayette on Ambassador and College Zoom on a Saturday, I can't even open my phone. So how can they open their phone with 312,000, well, 125,000 people there? No way. No way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So. Let's get into the the Saints picks, uh, kind of as you said earlier. The Saints really drafted who we were expecting to, right? For the first I, time I, ever. I I, absolutely. <laughs> no surprises in the first round. No surprises with the second pick. I even said it last week. I thought defensive tackle, defensive end would make a ton of sense. That's exactly what they do in drafting Brian Breezy and then going out and getting Isaiah Foskey from um, Notre Dame. And look, I'm excited about both of these guys. But if there's one guy, obviously Brian's potential is there. That's there the one I'm excited about. Concerns. Um, but if there's if there's one thing that I'm really excited about is seeing what Isaiah can do. Right? I think he's that wrong. he's going to be the game changer in this draft. If anything, he's going to be the best pick, in my opinion, out of this draft. Interesting. See, okay, for me now, is, is it is it breezy? Is it breezy? I don't know. I need to go look at a, a interview with him. But I think Brian is going to be perfect for us because right now, in terms of defensive line and specifically interior defensive tackle, we got a lot of plugs, and that's no disrespect to the guys we have, but none of them, to me, have a ceiling of a star or even a Pro Bowler. Let's just say Pro Bowler, all NFL. None of them have that. Brian has that. Brian is the only one on the interior defensive line, don't get him confused with DNs, that I feel has that. So for us to have him is huge. And to me, to your point about Foskey, Foskey has a lot of raw talent, man. If he can get under, if Cam Jordan can school him and he turn out right, he'll be better than Davenport and, in my opinion, Peyton Turner. Look, Peyton Turner hasn't proved a thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and not only that, Cam Jordan's 34. Yep, you know? so we need so, somebody, facts. So, so, so you know, Cam Jordan's time's coming down to the end. Uh, Peyton Turner, if he can see the field, it'd be awesome. <laughs> if not, I, I feel comfortable in what Isaiah can bring. And look, they addressed it, right? Like you mm-hmm. said, Brian, you know, comes in as the 29th overall pick from Clemson. Could have been higher. Dominant <laughs> in 2020. Um, had the injury to his knee in 2021 and then had the kidney issue this past season. Well, and his sister um, passed away, which was like yes, horrible. Yes, which is a big yeah. thing, which we are 100% Ella Strong here at the Primetime Podcast. Absolutely support At the network, that. too. And, and like super excited to see um, how this fan base comes around that and supports uh, Ella Strong. I think that's an awesome thing to get behind. We saw Louisiana Tech do it. Uh, whenever they traveled over to Clemson, super excited to see 
um, how how people get around that. But look, his talent's there, right? His, his talent is there. He's a big guy. He can take on multiple blocks. Like he is a hundred percent a day one starter, right? Facts. He fits in and he will start day one as long as he can stay healthy. Like that's all I have to say, right? Yeah, for do, sure. Do I, I expect do I expect Brian to have 10 sacks of as as defense tackle? No. That's not fair. Do, yeah, that, that's do I not want fair. Five to six tackles. Yes. Do I want tackles for loss? Yes. Do I want him to eat up multiple guys on the offensive line? Absolutely. That's what I want. What the do, run style. I want him to do most. I want him to be available. Yeah. I want him to be there game in and game out. You miss one game, that's fine. You miss six games in the first season. I'm already seeing your red flag with this with this guy. And and that's my number one overall concern. And if there are any Ella Strong shirts out there, people are listening, we would love to buy some from the network and, and support that cause 100%. But to your point, I agree with you. Best abilities, availability. So before we can start expecting things from him, if he's available, that's the start. But to your point, I want him to be able to stop the run. That's what we need. That's why we went get him. We were at the bottom in terms of run-stopping teams last year. Also, let me say this. I really like the fourth-round pick because that kid, he went to a small school, Nick Sal DeVieri, watched a lot of him through watching Landon at Raging Cajuns and seeing him play for ODU. Like, that guy is not only, like, really good, he is versatile. He could play tackle. He could play guard. He could play center. Like, that's a but, pick. But, but, but he's, he's guaranteed to play one position, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. He's playing guard. He's playing oh, guard he, in the yeah, NFL. Okay. He's playing guard on this team. And Cesar Ruiz did not have his fifth-year option True. Uh, picked up this year. He will either place replace Andres Pete or he will be replacing Cesar Ruiz. And, hey, that's 100%. good because every year since Cesar Ruiz has been drafted, we've been like, Cesar Pete. So now with him, with Pinning, hopefully Pinning can be healthy this year and be good. And with our cornerstone in uh, Ramcheck, that's a solid three, and we just build from there. And look, I'm going to be honest with you. I think Jake Hayner is the first quarterback the Saints have drafted that I actually think could probably play. Like, Ian Book? So Come on, fam. <laughs> that guy from Mississippi State that we drafted in the seventh round like two years ago. Come on, fam. Yeah, but... that, was a, that was a mistake. <laughs> look, look and, and let me say what I have to say about Hayner, and then I will get on you for neglecting the second best player in this draft. But I think that Hayner is a guy that is going to be the next Chase Daniels that the Saints drafted, right? Ooh, that's going to have a very, very long backup career. You know, everybody's like, oh, he's short. He's accurate. He gets the ball out quickly. Drew Brees. No, he's not Drew Brees. He'll never be Drew Brees. He's not Derek Carr. He'll never even be close to Drew Brees, right? But this guy may be a starter one day. He may fall apart and never start, right? But you know what he will do? is he will have a career as a backup. Yep. I, I can almost guarantee And look, that. I'm going to tell you this. Never say, saying that. Never say nev never, because this guy may have that dog in him to where he wants to become a starter, and who knows? Uh, like, he's he he's the only person in Fresno State history to have, I think he broke Derek and David's car's record. If not, he's tied with them. So the ability is there. I thought pre-draft he was better than Will Levis. Shout out to my guy, uh, Emery Hunt from CBS. Talk to him about it. He loved Hayner. And look, to your point, we can't expect him to be a starter. But what we can expect is a quality, quality backup. Anything else is a benefit. And I do think that anything else will happen. But we got to wait and see on that.
Yeah, and and look, he was voted team captain all three years that he was at Fresno yep. State. Possesses the quality of what the Saints like, right? Um, they they like team captains. They like leaders. But whenever you're talking about a guy coming off the bench to lead your offense, if there's an injury to Derek Carr, Jameis Winston, whatever it is this year, right? I think this is more so a future type of situation. But if there's an injury, you're happy, right? Nine thousand yards. Sorry, that's, that's incorrect. Six, no, sorry, you're, that's you're, incorrect. You're not you're, happy, but you're satisfied. You're, like, you're you're kind of in one of those positions where it's like. Oh crap! Like we're what, not screwed. What the hell's, the hell's going to go on? <laughs> yeah, this guy comes in beaming with you know full of confidence, and and you start to feel a little confident, right? Ian Book uh, had us scared. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He I'll did. never forget that first game he played. I told all my friends, I was like, Ian Book. We're like, we're starting the name, the Book Club. The Book Club ended right. It started when he he went in the game, and it ended when the game ended. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Now, now let me let me back you up. Uh, oh, go ahead, Kendra Miller. Oh, is, baller is the second best player in this class. Ooh, okay. Um, and, and Alvin Kamara needs to watch out. Oh, um, because Alvin Kamara is getting older. He's got and he a got issues. looming suspension coming up. Mm-hmm. And look, I love AK. I'm not not a hundred not in any way saying I want to get away from AK and do anything to get him off the team. But I will say that Kendra Miller is a guy that very, very good in terms of a what guy Kamara that looks does. like Alvin Kamara, right? <laughs> yeah. He's a, a one-cut explosive guy. He is a playmaker, uh, if I've ever seen one. And, and the guy can catch the ball in the backfield. You know? Not just that, um, he runs a little bit between the tackles better than Kamara did when he first got into the league. Now, how he progresses, absolutely. that's a different thing. And, and look, he needs to recover from his injury. True. Uh, he had a knee injury um, his last year at TCU, wasn't able to play in the playoff. was a huge loss, right? Facts. People kind of forget that. Uh, you know, not saying they would have beat Georgia, but the game may, probably would have been a little bit different. Wouldn't have been a blowout. If, if <laughs> Kendra Miller would have been there. Um, and, and look, he has to work on some things. He needs to work on his blocking ability. This is the Facts. NFL. This is in college. And, and, and that's going to be a, a task for him, you know, especially coming off the knee injury is being able to work on his blocking. But I think that he's going to be a big impact player. Now let's go to, let's finish it out with the Saints class. Uh, they pick up a safety from Minnesota and Jordan Howden. And then, and, and look, I, real quick on Jordan Howden, because I don't want to spend too much time on him. Um, I think he's going to be a special teams guy. I think he's going to be a guy that kind of sits at the back. Um, you know, can he push for a slot position? Absolutely. Right. He played most of his snaps. Uh, Ross Jackson had the tweet with a, a snap counter uh, every year. Ton of snaps in that slot position. I think if he makes it on the field, that's where it's going to be. The other spot, obviously, in special teams. But let's talk about a guy. Um, who I think is going to have impact as well, who, look, I'm not going to say he's the third best, but he has a discussion for the fourth best, and that's your six-round pick in A.T. Oh, A.T. Perry? I like um, him, man. I, 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 I see a guy that reminds me of Traquan Smith, but better. I see better a guy hands. that's posted yeah. back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons uh, with 28 touchdown receptions the last two years. I mean, he caught everything, right? He caught everything and mm-hmm. he said he said in an interview he said there was some minor issue that that had him fall would love to know what that is 
Me too. But if we can get past that, uh, I think that A.T. Perry is a guy that will make an impact. And, and look, you know. He looks good I, I, in black and gold <laughs> coming from week four. He does. He does. And, and, and look, I'll say this because this is something I saw my buddy Brian saying on Twitter uh, is that, you know, B said, these guys haven't played yet. How can we give these guys a draft? How can we give teams a draft? Look, I agree with that. We're all talking about how they would fit in a scheme, how they played in college. A.T. Perry is one of those guys that where you feel confident with how he played in college against some competition, right? Yep. Force playing in that ACC schedule. You saw them him actually play well against quality matchup corners. And, and he, had the, he had a ton of success. I mean, right? shoot, he went so, up against Garrett Williams from Syracuse. He went up against what's the top the top corner that went to um oh man I'm blanking on his name but the top corner he played against him like the number one draft pick and did pretty decent I like At Perry but not to backtrack to your point about Kendra about how much how how well we should be excited for him for him to say I don't do well as a backup even though I respect Kamara and everything he's got for the Saints and he did I'm coming for that number one spot you have that attitude with Swag Kage Jamal Williams I love and shout out to Swag Kage welcome to the hidden village of the swamp come on to anime talk brother we don't want to talk no football just anime shout out to him Jamal Williams it gives you what you need in that goal line possession you mix that with what Kendra Miller does in Kamara the running attack should be back. I'm not going to say, because, you know, I'm not going to say we'll be back because, like you said, these guys haven't played a snap, but on paper, it should be back. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm excited to see this rushing attack as he gets younger, right? Mm -hmm. He gets younger. Excited to see what Jamal Williams brings to the plate, uh, brings to the table. As we've oh, Shoot, man, he was one of those guys whenever um, the Saints were able to get him. I was super excited. I was ecstatic. Yeah, I was super I and, 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 and so, look, we'll, we'll talk more about the NFL as we get into the season um, and, and, you know, we get into OTAs, training camp, and we get into the preseason. But uh, overall, who do, you, just, who do you think had the best draft before we get to the Lee Van? Well, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to get there. But OK, who, like, how do you think the Saints did? If oh, you gave them, like if if, I give them a grade. You, I don't, I don't want to do a grade like uh, a thumbs up. Kind of in the middle, you know, poco a poco, or thumbs down. I'm giving them, I'm giving them two thumbs up because I actually think they did well. Like I know a lot of people were like, "Oh, how do you take Brian Brzee?" And this, when I say a lot of people, I'm talking about the people who called into my radio show, I'm talking about, "Oh, how do you take Brian Brzee? Uh, Nolan Smith's right there, bro. We do not play the scheme that Nolan Smith is best for." Like I'm sorry, all we we had a weakness at interior defensive line. We filled that. That is a positive. That is a good thing. I understand Nolan Smith was on the board, but this is not the same situation as us taking Kenny Vaccaro over Tyron Matthew. It's not that situation. This is completely different. I think this is a win. I'm giving him two thumbs up. Yeah, look, man, I'm I'm excited for what the Saints did, and, and, and so let's talk about NFL. What you draft. giving them? You gotta give them a. You gotta give them a th uh, one thumb. Oh, in the middle. Okay. In the middle. <laughs> right. In the middle, because. I I think you can be excited for the players. I'm excited for the players, but I, you don't know what they're going to do until, True. you know, guys are healthy. Two of your top three picks are coming off injury. Let's see how they look, right? That's a that's a big thing for me is is seeing how these guys uh, look and if they're available come uh, mini camp, come OTAs, come, uh, you know, comes whenever they get into camp. 
Um, and then they get into the preseason. Uh, so what these guys can do, right? And uh, and, and then then we'll revisit, right? We'll see how preseason preseason goes. We'll revisit all these guys. Some some really good um, UDFAs as well uh, to be looking out for. Now now let's talk about the NFL, man. You know, I'm not scared of the Panthers drafting Bryce Young. Me neither. I I, I, I think that he's too small. Oh no, I'm not go that far. I I, <laughs> I will I will eat you know eat crow if I need to down. You the road. will. <laughs> I, I think that the Panthers drafted a guy that is a college quarterback that will not transition well to the pros. And um, look, man, that guy's just not going to be able to take hits. OMG. You know, Wait, they, hold they, on. I need to be faster on my sound effects. This guy is wilding right now. They, they, they did everything they could to get this guy's weight up for the combine. He sits at a 180, man. He sits at a 180. Look, uh, two years ago, I was like 180, 185, uh, and I'm taller than Bryce Young. And and I tell you what, <laughs> I there's no way in hell I could be taking hits like that. Like <laughs> this guy, this guy, I think is talented. He knows how to win, and those two things are important. But look at Kyler Murray. You know, I don't think he's as talented as Kyler Murray, and, and Kyler Murray has struggled in the NFL. And I think some of that has to do with Call of Duty and whatnot. Definitely. And some of that has to do with the scheme and the system that he's in, even though it is tailored to him, right? And a team in Arizona that needs to retool around them as their roster is depleted, uh, one of the worst in the NFL. But um, Carolina doesn't have that problem, right? Carolina has a good roster team that went 7-10 and 10 last season. Um, I just don't think he has it, does not have it. Right. Hey, look, I mean, and, I, and I got part of the <laughs> part of the narrative of Alabama is Alabama starting Bruh. to fall off the rails. Right. Alabama starting to go down. Bryce That's Young true. is uh, is one of those uh, stepping stones. Right. Bruh. To you. That's to you, ladies and gents. This guy's saying he's not a bus. I got to hit him one more time with it. Wait, Bruh. there we go. Bruh. I'm going to be locked in with my sound effects going forward. But look, I'll say this. Alabama is going down. I, Bryce Young wasn't my top quarterback. My top quarterback was C.J. Stroud. But I will say Bryce has an ability that no one else has, and it's that Patrick Mahomes ability where when the play breaks down, he can go into the backyard and do backyard football, and I love that because that's the Aaron Rodgers, that's the Patrick Mahomes. I don't think he'll be a bust. I think he'll be a quality starter, but will he be a star? I can't say that. I think the star from this class in terms of quarterback is C.J. Stroud. Yeah, Bryce Young will never touch the top 15 in terms of NFL quarterbacks, and I, I feel confident in being able to say that. <laughs> oh, my uh, God! <laughs> look, look, man. The, the NFL hey, shoot your shot. I'm not mad at it. The NFL team's uh, – NFL has got some pretty quality quarterbacks right now, you know? I mean, you look just across the AFC, you've got guys like you said, Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow. You've got Jordan Allen, uh, you know, and that's just the top three. Not even to mention Lamar Jackson, who won an MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've got Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Like, you've got really talented guys. And while the NFC South is down right now, he's not better than Derek Carr. No, right? I, I can not yet. And, and, I, and I, I feel good about saying that he's not going to be better than Derek Carr, at least while Derek Carr is with the New Orleans Saints. Thanks. This is what um, Charles and, is saying and, about Bryce Young, ladies and gents. You're trash, Brock. <laughs> 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 but but uh, you know l- let's move on from Bryce cuz 
like I like I said, I will eat crow if if he is talented down the road. But let's talk about CJ Stroud. Let's talk about what the Houston Texans did. The smokescreen that they played. Beautiful. And then they drafted CJ Stroud to have the third pick lose all of its value and get Will Anderson to where, in my opinion, they got the number one offensive player and they number got the one number defensive. one defensive yep. player. And, and look, I, I will 100% agree that Will Anderson this past year was not what he was in the years past. Facts. But is he talented? Absolutely. Yes. Is he the defensive tackle from Georgia that is just a man of a beast of a can take on three blocks and still sack your quarterback? No, no. but he is a game changer. That's and a he fact. Is a very good pick for number three. I think the Houston Texans, I don't care what they did in the rest of the draft. I think they made mistakes by trading up to get a guy in uh, at 65. That would have been there at 69. Oh, Juice shrugs. Yeah, or sixty-two, or oh, no? Would they trade up to sixteen? They traded up to sixty-two. They or traded up to sixty-two from sixty-five. Yeah, which I thought Shrugs, was a mistake. Yeah. He would have been there. But I, I will say this: I will say this. I think they did a great job in the first round. The rest of the draft sucked, but I think what they did in the first round was excellent. I think what Arizona did and getting a bunch of draft capital was excellent. Two teams that have bad rosters did a great job and retooling their future this past Thursday. Look, I agree with you with the Texans. The second round was trash for them, but I'll say this. Day three, starting off with uh, Alabama's linebacker, Henry Totoa, or uh, Totoa, however you pronounce his name. Excuse me, I'm sorry. But that guy's a baller. I like the Notre Dame guard. I like the Iowa State wide receiver. But to your point, look, whether Kyler Murray succeeds or he doesn't, Arizona's ready for either situation. If he's good, great. We got a bunch of draft picks to put dogs around him that are young, that that can uh, play out his contract. Or if he's bad, we can get rid of him and get the next quarterback if we're ready. Either way, Arizona put themselves in position to succeed with or without Kyler Murray. Lennon, real quick, rank the top five quarterbacks um, from this draft in terms of how do you think that we'll view them in five years? C.J. Stroud, number one. I'm not as low on Bryce as you are. So Bryce, Anthony Richardson, because I, I do think so, that man is he's just a monster in terms of athleticism, but he's also the one that could be the bust of the list, like for sure. I'm going to go Jake Hayner, and then I'm going Will Levis. I, don't, I, I just don't like Will Levis. I don't. I like all arm, no accuracy, the gun show. Mm, just not buying it. Uh, I, I'm gonna go CJ Stroud. I'm gonna go Hendon Hooker. Uh, wait, 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 wait! Can I change? Wait, wait! I forgot it. The injury makes me forget. I'm going CJ Hendon, Bryce, Anthony Richardson, Jay Kaner. Now, uh, you like Bryce? Bryce? Bryce can be second for you. <laughs> um, no, I like. I, I always thought Hendon was better. I like Hendon, and I and I I have Hendon two A, Bryce two B. It's not that far apart for me. But I, I cannot disrespect Hendon Hooker because I think if healthy, he had a shot to be, if not the top quarterback, the second quarterback taken. Yeah, look, I, I 100% agree with you. Um, look, I I think that Anthony Richardson is going to be a bust. Um, I think Will Levis has a better shot of making it than Anthony Richardson does. Interesting. Um, that's what unless you just kind of run uh, an offense where – Richardson runs around, but that we all know that they've tried that in the NFL. It I'm hoping they work. do the Jalen Hurts path because he has Jalen Hurts' quarterback coach, even though I'll say this, Hurts was a, definitely a better thrower out of college. There's no doubt yeah, in my mind. Hurts, 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 
Hurts improved his accuracy after he went to Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. He, he could actually pass the ball. Miles. Uh, if Anthony Richardson looked good against LSU and he looked good against Utah the rest of the season, he looked like ass. 13 games. You're and, absolutely and look, right. Will Levis looked bad this past year, but he lost a lot of his offense. I thought he looked really good the year before. Um, so I I actually think that Will Levis will probably be the third best quarterback. Okay, so you're um, going CJ Hinden sorry, Will? Sorry, fourth best quarterback. Uh, so it'll go CJ, Hooker, Bryce Young, Levis, Richardson. That's okay. how I think that 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 this That's turns out. We're about I didn't the same. want to include Hayden. I, I, I did, just wanted to do the guys that were in the first round. Oh, and you should have told me that. that. I, the, I didn't know that. In, <laughs> and the guy that was stuck in the green room. Um, let's let's kind of talk about some things that surprised you. Like, you know. The Lions. For example, <laughs> for, for example we'll get to the Lions, right? Let me let me let me talk about what the the Vikings did. Oh, like, okay. Why are you drafting a wide receiver whenever your defense needs to be better? You know, <laughs> and like, look, I love the Jaquela and Roy pick at one forty one. Not sure why you drafted Jay Ward. Um, and, and look, he played at LSU. He you did. know, I don't I don't think that you need to draft him at one thirty four. I thought he would have been there later. Um, so I I wasn't a huge fan of that draft um and then jaron hall like like the, uh, their later round picks are just huh yeah absolutely um i think you know the draft that everybody's gonna be really happy about is what um what you were able to see from the eagles in yep. drafting all of georgia's defense what a great idea <laughs> i mean <Yeah>. George <laughs> dominant Facts. But uh, we already saw Joe Bur- Burrow tear him up again. Once we'll see him tear him up again. Not really concerned about that if they make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, if both those teams make it, let's talk about the Lions, right? Jameer Gibbs. What a just a! I don't know what is more a. He would have been there in the pick. second round, bro. He'd right? have been there when they picked at eighteen. He'd like, have been there when they picked at thirty-four. Like I, mean, I, I just don't get it. And then to to go from Jameer Gibbs and to double back. And take Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell might have been there when they picked Hendon Hooker, bro. Like I don't know what they were thinking. Now I will say this: Day two, they made up for it. You get Sam Laporta. You get Brian Branch. You get Hendon Hooker. Day two, I'll give them an A minus B plus. But for day one, that's almost a D, man. That is bad. Like who is Jack? Like Jack Campbell is someone that I'm just like, what are you doing when you see? All of these good cornerbacks on the board when you know you need cornerbacks. And and, and you could have went Christian Gonzalez at 12, Jameer Gibbs at 18, and you wouldn't have heard a peep from me. Like, I, I just don't get it. Yeah, and look, I thought Jack Campbell was a reach. Um, even though I do think that he plays day one. Same thing with Sam Laporta. But you had better tight ends at that time. Uh, look, I, I think Jameer Gibbs will be special in the NFL. I don't know how special he will be, right? He's not the next Najee Harris no. uh, for this season. He's not a guy that I'm circling for you to draft at your fantasy draft. But If I, I knew I, they need, need a tight end, they could have took Dalton Kincaid. Like, yeah. like what? <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. A um, couple other teams. I guess there's so many Clemson fans around here. We'll talk about it. The Clemson being, or sorry, not Clemson, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, took Clemson edge, Miles Murphy. The Saints were drafting Miles Murphy. Yeah, 100%. The Saints were going to draft Miles Murphy, and he was stolen from them by the Bengals. 
Crazy how that happens. That guy will be a stud. That yeah, guy will, will be a stud every single time it happens to New Orleans. That guy turns into a stud. He will be a stud. Absolutely guarantee that. Them in um, in, in the Bills taking Miles Murphy and Dalton Kincaid, I think really slid into the Saints like oh, little. Uh, I disagree. I, I I don't think that they would have tried to draft Dalton Kincaid if they wanted to draft a tight end. They would have done it. Right. Okay, that's fair. I, I think that they're happy with their their position at tight end. I thought that the Bills drafting Kincaid was a mistake. Like Interesting. You, have, you have Knox on that team who's been performing well for you. I thought that they could have used, you know, some help along the offensive line. They could have Which gotten, I mean they did get Osiris Torrance in the second round, which I do like that pick for them. They did. They did. I, right? I think I think their plans were screwed by Gibbs and Bijan and Bijan being gone, if we if we really want to be honest. I agree with that. And, and look, the Bills could have used some running back help. Huh. Um, they they, they, they should have took one at some point. They didn't take one at all. Yeah, yeah. And and, and look, um, another team you want to talk about, I think the Arizona Cardinals had a great draft. Um, I thought, you know, picking up Paris Johnson, six overall, I think he's a stud offensive tackle. I think he's going to be awesome for Kyler Murray, a team that really just needs to revamp its whole roster. And we talked Facts. about them. Just kind of want to talk about some of the guys. I think B.J. Ojolari is going to be a star in that defense. Um, I really like Garrett Williams from Syracuse. He got cornerback we talked about. Um, A.T. Perry going against earlier. So I, I think that they did a really good job, drafted another offensive guard from uh, UCLA and John Gaines second. So I, I think that they did a good job picking up more draft capital, like I said, and then adding um, to a draft class, which I thought was was – Pretty top notch. You know who did bad? The Packers and the in the Browns. <laughs> like I understand the Packers got Lucas Van Ness, but come on, man, you got a rookie quarterback who needs weapons. You're sitting at twelve, at thirteen, yeah, with the pick of the litter. Receiver. Like, <laughs> I mean, like what, man? <laughs> a receiver can cade somebody like to help that poor guy out. And look, yeah, Luke, Luke I, Mus- I Musgrave isn't bad, but like you had blue chipper talent right there. And I don't know if Lucas Van Ness will be that top edge rusher that the Packers hoping he is, you know? Yeah. Uh, I actually like the Browns' first two picks. Okay. I, I think Talk Cedric Tillman will be able to play on the outside, and I think he will be a receiver that Deshaun Watson's able to throw to. Um, I'm not going to say he's a DeAndre Hopkins, but he's a guy that can make a catch on the outside on a poorly thrown ball. Okay. And, and I love Siakaika. I absolutely love Siaka Aika. I think his footwork's incredible. I think he's a guy, three-tech DT, that can eat up space and can get to the quarterback. He's quick. He's agile. And I think he's going to be a difference maker. Um, do I like the fact that it took them to 74 to get a pick uh, or to make a draft selection? No. But that was to get Deshaun Watson, which True. I think Deshaun Watson's And Elijah be- Moore. Going to kill the franchise, right? Yeah, they're in a bad situation. It's the Browns. Oof. And yeah, then they, they drafted DTR, which was like, what? Why are you drafting DTR? <laughs> yeah, it's like mm, backup kind of same type of guy. DTR, yeah, like, what are you doing? <laughs> super talented, you know. But yeah, like, well, what's going on? You know, <laughs> absolutely. I, I, I agree with that 100%. Um, any other teams that stood out to you? Hey, the Chargers got their quarterback of the future, man. Stetson Bennett. <laughs> He's going to be 30, 30 years old. What a old. surprise, what a man. Start. That guy was not getting drafted, you know? <laughs> that was crazy to me. I was that just guy like... was not getting drafted. But but even more so, what I thought was, was um, 
crazy is looking at the Chargers getting mm. literally Mike Williams the second and Quentin Johnson from TCU. But that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. And then drafting um uh Thule from USC, I thought was a good pick, okay pick. Not you the know, best, yeah. um, but you know, it's like I, I just don't know how he fits in. I I really thought the Chargers had a a poor draft. And then Belichick has a great honest. first pick with Christian Gonzalez yes. Yes. and then goes out of nowhere. Like just goes back to Belichick of old man, drafted some wild stuff. Like the kicker. I, I, I don't like the kicker pick the Sacramento state linebacker. Okay. Keon white. Okay. Like the best pick to me besides Christian Gonzalez is getting Kayshawn so late. He's actually going to be, Probably if he gets if he keeps his head on his shoulders, their best wide receiver. Honestly, let's talk about Kayshawn. Um, I thought Kayshawn was a great receiver at LSU. He was a top five pick, right? I think Kayshawn needs to surround himself with a good circle with better people. Facts. I think Kayshawn needs to have guys, and and you'll hear it in our Leah Van interview, which is about which is coming up in a minute or two, but. Um, she talked about Tommy White having three or four guys that he goes and fishes with every single summer. And, like, you don't hear much from him. That's what Kayshawn needs, right? Kayshawn was going to Alabama before um, you had Gordon McKernan come and give him a bunch of money to stay at LSU. Like, that's the type of guy Kayshawn turned into. That's not the type of guy Kayshawn was. That's not – and look, let me tell you, I know, I know his people from New Iberia – I can tell you, I'm not going to say no names, but I can tell you for a fact, he, the person that he respects the most had a sit down meeting with him. He cursed him out and was like, bro, enough is a fucking enough. Like there's some things that I know that happened over the summer that I will not say on this podcast that, that, that added to the draft fall on top of the stuff that people that is rumored right now in the public that people know about, but there's some other stuff that happened. That like, yo, they basically was like, bro, get your fucking head out your ass. You're lucky you got fucking drafted. And I'm only saying this because this is his words. Excuse my language. This is what they told him word for word. Like, yeah. get your butt out, get your head out your butt and, and take this serious. You're with Belichick. He's not going to put up with your BS. And if you don't make it with him, you might not get another shot. So yeah. hopefully he takes the advice of this person I'm talking about. He He's a very well-respected gentleman in New Iberia. Hopefully that happens. Yeah, yeah. A um, couple other teams I want to talk about. I thought Seattle had a really good draft as well, um, getting the number one receiver in the draft at number twenty. Um, I, I, I thought Devin. I think Devin Witherspoon is going to be a stud in this league. Mm -hmm. um, so I think their first two picks were really nice to see. Um, to be honest, Tampa Bay actually kind of had a pretty good draft, but I think that, that team is going to have a long time with no quarterback really yep. to make a difference. You know. Um, so, you know, other than that, you know, it was a good draft. It was exciting. Um, it was fun to watch, right? Good crowd in Kansas City. But I'm glad it's over because that's the first step into the NFL season, right? I agree. Now, now we're just one step closer. Yep. One 100%. step closer to the endless summer before we start football. But before then, we do have a lot to talk about as the NBA playoffs are going on. And more importantly, LSU baseball coming off a sweep against Alabama as they go back to back sweep, uh, back to back sweeps. Um, after taking care of Ole Miss and Alabama, we decided to get Leah Van on 
from The Advocate to join us. So let's hop into that interview uh, with Leah Van. would like to welcome our guest in as Leah Van from The Advocate joins us. Leah, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, look, I, I always tend to start off uh, with guests, especially ones that live in Louisiana, with a question they're not expecting. So I know you haven't been living in Louisiana long, right? You have to have a favorite snowball flavor, right? Snowball flavor? Like a like snow cone? Like snow cone, snowball. Same, okay. same thing, I guess right? different regions call it different things. Um, Absolutely. I, I can't say I have a favorite flavor because I don't think I've had one of those since like high school. <laughs> you have to try you have to go out to Kona Ice and in left field or right field and try one. Yeah. I yeah, see, I don't make my way around uh the ballpark much other than just like going straight to the press box. I do like walk around and linger a little bit. Um, but I'll have to try. I do tend to like orange, like citrusy flavors in the summer. So if that's an option, that is probably what I would lean. If you ever make it to New Orleans, you have to get like a dream sickle cream flavor. Those are those are pretty good. Oh, that sounds delicious. Yeah. Those are pretty good. So L- LSU, LSU coming off another series sweep as they defeat Alabama this weekend. Uh, we'll talk some about that, but kind of want to talk about this team, right? I saw your piece about the Joe Boo statue that uh, Braden Jobert has. And I remember hearing um, on TV a couple of series past about uh, Joe Morgan's helmet being broken and the reason why he still wears it. Superstition's always been a part of baseball. How superstitious is this team? I think it depends on the individual player, right? So, like, Braden is one of those guys who is superstitious. Um, I mean, you know, I think I wrote also last year about how he draws his uh, grandma's initials in the sand before every at-bat. He kind of does the same celebration every single time. Um, you know, Beloso, I think, started participating in the Jobu statue thing, but it's like... I don't think he like necessarily buys into it too much. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I know Trey Morgan has the helmet thing, but um, I, I, you know, as far as like from guy to guy, um, if, if they have them, they won't share them. Right. Because that is, that is kind of the baseball way of like, oh, I'm not going to tell you my secret. Uh, I thought we did learn about Dylan Cruz eating the nerds clusters candy before every single at bat um and i think tommy might also eat a candy of some kind before his at bats too but haven't been able to confirm that so um yeah those are the ones that we know about so far um you know i think every guy has a routine when they step up to the plate that you can kind of tell i mean if you've seen them or watched them enough and uh you know, especially Trey again, like he always takes like a little swing and then he like kind of moseys on over. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, and then you obviously got walk-up songs, you got walk-out songs. So, you know, I think last year I was asking Eric Razelman, I was like, you changed your walk-out song. Is it because you walked like three guys last week? He's like, no. Um, <laughs> I walked three guys. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that's my long-winded answer. Uh, kind of want to talk about the bullpen, right? So the bullpen's had some issues throughout the season. They've had ups and downs. I mean, really pitching overall has had ups and downs this season for LSU. Uh, Javen Coleman, somebody coming back off of injury. Uh, how important is he going to be to this bullpen? And, and really, when you look at the bullpen, um, I, I, I think that Herring is the go-to guy. Who's the next go-to guy? And, and 
who do you expect, I guess, to develop? It's more so a long-winded answer as well, but this bullpen is going to be so important for this team going forward, especially if they, as they've had inconsistencies past Paul schemes. Yeah. Let me pull up Coleman. Um, Cause we know that he struck out six and two and a third, which is quite impressive. And I'm trying to see, he did end up facing the top of the lineup in that outing. So um, which there was not very many pitchers out there who could shut down Alabama's lineup, especially that top four this weekend. I mean, they're just like, there's no like clear cut star other than maybe Andrew Pinckney, but um, there's no like Dylan Cruz in that lineup. They're all just consistent and they're all just competitive. And they're also like experienced and old. So they've seen a lot of college baseball pitches, which is, Again, that I mean, we we kind of undervalue that when we saw some of the teams last year in Omaha that made it, uh, you know, they had lineups who had seen a lot of college baseball pitches. But if we go back to LSU's bullpen, um, yeah, I, I mean, I still think, you know, Griffin Herring had a little bit of a tough time on Friday, and that was towards the end. And I think that was – and I think Jay also kind of spoke to this as, like, he's a freshman – and sometimes those moments get a little big, you get a little bit jitters and like, you know, that just happens. Like they're not going to be perfect. These aren't major league pitchers. Um, and then I think, you know, college baseball, I can't remember where I saw this. They're hitting way more home runs this year um, overall. And so I don't know if there's something different with the balls or what, but overall, like hitting is on fire this year. It's, it's a hitting year. It's like, you know, the gorilla balls year. So you also kind of have to take that into account. Uh, you know, I think Coleman could be huge because if you're able to extend him in time for the postseason, not only is he a lefty, but he's pretty consistent. And, um, you know, I think Jay alluded to the fact that he was probably going to be in the starting rotation last year before he got injured. And so that tells you that he could be some he could be a middle reliever that could, you know, really extend innings in, a, in the case that we saw on Saturday with Ty Floyd. Um, you know, not lasting very long. Um, you know, the bullpen has been a concern because, you know, you lost the best guys um, in the bullpen, which was Garrett Edwards. He is out for season. You know, um, I haven't published that officially yet, but it, I've been saying it on every radio show. I think he had an arm brace on this weekend. I think we all know what's going on and I know what's going on. Except talk to his dad. Um, but, you know, Chase Shores again, like that was your closer. Right. And I think going into this year, if you back up going into the fall, I mean, you had Jaden Newt, which you took from the draft and he was supposed to be probably a contender for a starting position or a closing position. Um, Grant Taylor had made some huge strides this summer in the Cape Cod League to the point where he had moved up his draft stock. He was expected to be a starter. And then you even have like the Juco transfer and Caleb Appleby, who's just a gigantic person. He's like 6'10". Um, you know, he was going to also be like a veteran guy, kind of like a Nate Ackenhausen, right. Who can, who's seen a lot of college baseball and kind of like get through it. Right. Um, and then I, Jason Bowman out again this season. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the concern is, yeah, there's a lot of injuries and, but that, I mean, the counter argument to that is that every college program is experiencing that. And that happens every year. Alabama was out two of its starters this weekend. Um, and they've been out with, without Grayson Hitt and Ben Hess for a couple of weeks now. 
Um, we saw the Ole Miss return Hunter Elliott, and he wasn't 100%. Um, and he was a key starter for them last year in Omaha. Um, Arkansas, they've lost quite a few pitchers too. Because um, I know when I posted about one of the pitching um, injury posts, a bunch of Arkansas fans were like, cry me a river. We've done this too. And I'm like, okay, calm down. This isn't an attack. Um, so if I think about the guys that they do have, right, Griffin Herring, probably your best reliever still. Doesn't matter what happened on Friday. He is the best. Um, I think Javen Coleman's probably second best. I mean, just based off of what we've seen out of him. Um, I know he hasn't, he hasn't gone more than 40 pitches, but sometimes you don't need that yet. Um, I think Bryce Collins has potential to be again, like one of your best relievers. Bryce Collins and Riley Cooper are guys that can go multiple times in a weekend. And whether you're using them for one inning, whether you're using them for one batter, they are good guys to go to. They're pretty consistent and you know what you're going to get out of them. Riley Cooper, I think his performance yesterday was pretty stellar. It's a, it's kind of reminiscent of what we saw last year when he was just kind of, again, put in a matchup situation and he was able to kind of get LSU through things. And it wasn't always like the cleanest, but he still throws hitters off balance enough to the point where like he's going to force some weak contact. He's going to, you know, and he's going to get the outs. It's not going to be a lot of strikeouts. It's not going to be fancy, but he's going to get it done. Um, I think you look at Thatcher Hurd. I think the key to this season, the key to this, this team making it to Omaha, which Jay has said from the beginning is whether or not you can get Thatcher Hurd to extend, you know, innings and whether or not you can get him to a position where he is able to start games. Um, and if, if he's not able to start games, if he can come in after somebody's having a tough outing. Um, to start like a Christian Little or a Ty Floyd. I think Christian Little is a good starter. I think he likes to start. I think he operates better as a starter than a closer. Um, I think we've all kind of seen that. Maybe not his best outing, but still not actually a bad outing on Sunday. Yeah. Um, so I think that Thatcher Hurd is kind of, you know, you came into this year thinking he'd be in the starting rotation. They tried, kind of worked at Texas. Didn't really work over the weekends in SEC play, but he has the stuff. There's a reason why he's a projected first-round draft pick next year. And, um, you know, he came from a pitching factory in UCLA, and he's a different style. So if you get him going, that could be the key to saving this entire staff. Yeah, I agree with that. That Thatcher's off speed is is remarkable. I mean, he's got some really good off speed. Um, and it's almost inconsistent. Like yesterday, kind of noticed it almost with both teams, was just finding the strike zone sometimes can just be so important. I know Skip Bertman talked about that a lot when he was coaching over at LSU about just pitching in the strike zone, let the defense do the rest of the work. Um, speaking of defense, let's talk about catcher. I, I you know, if you look at and I'm sure you saw it more than anybody. Your Twitter mentions last year about catcher had to be crazy, right? And then you see uh, LSU go with Brady Neal towards the beginning of the season, comes out with the injury. But then you look at Malazzo's batting average, batting over 350. Travinsky has the clutch hits the past two series. Has catcher been surprising to you this year when it comes to the batter's box, not so much behind the plate? I think I actually fully expected Alex Malazzo to start from game from day day one this year just be just based off his seniority based off how much they missed him last year um 
And I know that in the past, his bat hasn't been his strong, the strongest facet of his play, but right now he's on a roll. He's consistent. He will get on base. He's his plate discipline is very good. He's able to either draw that walk or he's going to get a little hit and it's not going to be, it's not going to be a home run. It's going to be a single, but that's all you need. Or it's going to be a bunt. He's really good laying down the bunt and advancing runners. And essentially when you're at the bottom of the lineup at this kind of lineup, especially that's all you need. Right. Um, but defensively, yeah, I mean, he kind of stops. I mean, not that Alabama was really a, really like a base, a big base running team, but he really kind of eliminates that asset of the game when you're going against teams like a Kentucky, right? Um, cause he can throw runners out. I mean, they know that they can't run against this guy. Um, and so, and then the, the other aspect of him is that he's a great receiver, and he knows his stances very well, according to Josh Jordan. And also he can frame, he can steal, he can steal strikes, which is really important for guys like a Christian Little. Christian Little throws that cutter and it's kind of nasty, right? And it can kind of go all over the place. And so you need a catcher who understands those kinds of pitches. And Brady Neal's a phenomenal hitter. And I think that's why, and you look at Jay and kind of the formula of his teams is that he prioritizes hitting over defense, over pitching. Um, and we've seen that probably throughout his career. Um, but, you know, Brady Neal's been hurt. He's likely out for season. Um, he's kind of got one of those injuries where he could be out for season or he could come back and no one really knows. Um, it's a back injury. So it's kind of a day-to-day situation. All he's been able to do is non-baseball workouts so far. But you know, as a freshman, we were seeing some pass balls, right? We were kind of seeing like he was doing really well, obviously, like, but then the bat kind of took a little bit of a, like went by the wayside, right? Because he's a freshman. And like, I don't care how talented you are, even if he had gone into, you know, the minor leagues, like he still would have had a learning curve. And the learning curve here in college is the same way. And so, um, obviously a fantastic catcher. Um, obviously this team could use him in the lineup and, you know, you obviously want to have as many catchers as possible for rest purposes. Um, but I think that Malazzo done an exceptional job in his position. I think that Hayden Travinsky bringing him back into the lineup in general is beneficial for this team. And we've already seen that twice in one week. Um, and I think, you know, people were kind of freaked out when they threw Hayden Travinsky in there, like the second day of the Ole Miss series, like, no, no, like you can't have a catcher play every single game. You literally can't. And I think Jay learned that after playing Brady so much and Brady got hurt. Um, and so I think that, that, I mean, I think LSU has a good catching room right now. Um, the problem would come if either Hayden or Malazzo got hurt. I kind of just want to go off the rails a little bit because you talked about offense and the importance of offense. We saw Paxton Kling come back this weekend. How does he fit into this lineup? Huge. Um, you know, that's kind of like, you know, if Braden's having a bad day, stick him in there, right? If Josh Pearson started and he's having a bad day, you stick Paxton in there or he could start, you know, just as like we've seen him start, right? I mean, he's extremely athletic. And um, for teams that you need a fast base runner, I mean, he's your guy. Um, But also, I mean, we saw him make a pretty awesome catch in the outfield too when he did come in. Um, I can't remember if that was Saturday. So, 
yeah, it's kind of hard to fit everybody into the lineup, but then at the same time, some of these guys need rest. It's late in the season. Um, change it up a little bit. And, you know, again, like Braden's a left-handed batter, Paxton's right-handed, so you can kind of guess the matchup situation too, when depending on the teams they face. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I was excited to see him come back this weekend, too. I think he's going to be important. In fact, you talked about his base running, that story you did on him, uh, kind of in the recruiting, is like give us an inside, almost a profile on Jay Johnson, right? A guy that, you know, kind of talking about Paxton Kling's recruitment, he committed to Maneri, Maneri leaves, right? Talked about how kind of Kling was the guy that sprinted through base running when everybody else wants to hit the ball and show what they can do. Uh, Jay Johnson goes out to Pennsylvania, right? Shows up at, at dinner in Pennsylvania. Everybody's wearing sweatpants. Shows up in a suit. What kind of guy is Jay Johnson? Like, what's that backside of him that we don't get to see every single day? I think, I think you what you see is what you get with Jay. Like, he really, really wants to win the College World Series. Like, that is his goal of his entire like that is his mission like he loves he loves college baseball he won't do anything else he's a competitive guy and he will do whatever it takes to get there like he's a he's a dreamer and so far it's worked out for him and it's gotten him really far um work ethic is never a problem for jay johnson and he had gone to i think um an area code tournament or something out in california to watch paxton cling um right when he decommitted and then he flew out to pennsylvania and visited his family um and those are the lengths that he will go to get the top recruits in the country um and he will beat you to it um you know the similar situation with tommy white like he he just showed up like he's just like all right i'll be there tomorrow like as soon as he hit the transfer portal you know i think the regional had just ended he's like all right well let's get going recruiting tommy white and paul skeens like he is always kind of he's always on it with his recruiting game. I think every coach I've talked to has said that he's an expert recruiter. I wrote a big profile on him last year about how he has like whiteboards around his apartments where he's lived in the past. So like, you know, planning, looking at other teams and down the road in the bracket and also what players can help him get to certain places. Because remember, he had to recruit for programs that weren't going to get the big names. Right. So he has had to look for the diamonds in the rough. And now he can go for the diamonds, diamonds. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like, you know, those coaches you see succeed so well over at smaller programs, they get to bigger programs. And and some, they kind of die off in terms of their ability to coach, things like that, because they expect it, right? Jay Johnson's not like that, and we've seen that, especially with recruiting, the way he coaches and his approach every single day when it comes to matchups. Uh, you you talked about Tommy White. Uh, look, I, I think the best part in that story that you did about Tommy and kind of his demeanor of being a quiet person was like, you don't expect that from somebody that has tattoos, long hair, and hits a bunch of home runs, right? Is he really stayed that quiet? Like, how, how do you crack that guy's shell and – and give more of an insight into who he is uh, off and on the field. Yeah. So what I, I feel like with Tommy, I wouldn't call him like quiet. I would say that he is a very tight knit circle. Um, and he likes to keep it that way because he kind of knows that he's 
a big deal, right? Um, and when you are a guy like a Tommy White or a Dylan Cruz, you have to keep your head on straight amidst all the noise that's around you. It is very beneficial to you to keep a tight knit circle. Um, and, you know, I kind of talked to his dad and he's like, yeah, I mean, he's had like the same group of friends that he comes home to every summer in Florida. And it's like four guys, right? Like, and they all go out in the boat and they all go fishing and it doesn't really change. And those are the people who actually know Tommy White. And like, I think Tommy is a fun guy in the dugout and a fun guy for the team. It's just like when he gets around media, he's definitely a lot more tight lipped. I think he's gotten more and more comfortable with us as like time has wore on because I doubt he got the media coverage um, that he's getting now at North Carolina State. Um, so he is, you know, he's got a personality. He's got a little like, he's got a little spice to him, you know, like he, he can be a little like, uh, he's kind of got that confident edge where it's not like, I wouldn't say it's cockiness because he backs it up. I would say it's just, it's just a very assured confidence. Like he knows what he can do. He knows when he messes up and he, he knows what he's capable of. Um, and so I don't think that wavers at all, which is, you know, I think that's awesome. And I think that's what you need. Um, he's got like a pitcher's confidence, but he's a hitter. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, he will joke around a little bit with us now. Like he will just kind of like, it's just like a one-liner or something like he, again, he's not a long-winded guy. He will say very short statements, but some of them can be very powerful. Yeah, always important to have somebody that's like a leader by example, right? And then like when they speak, it's important. You know, it seems like this team's got a, a bunch of leaders on them. Whenever you see other, you know, other people like Dylan Cruz, Paul Skeens, if you're drafting in the MLB next year, you have the number one overall pick. Who are you looking at? Who are you taking? Yeah, um, number one overall pick. I mean, I think, I still think, um, well, it depends on each team's needs and um, can't say I'm an expert on the Pirates or the Nationals, um, but I still think Dylan Cruz, just based on, you know, his consistency and throughout his collegiate years, um, you know, and if you need a pitcher, then take Paul Skeens, like no question. Um, I, I think it's hard because they're, you know, they're different players, right? Like, how do you compare a pitcher and an outfielder? You can't. Um, but I, and, but I do think both of them have the character and the makeup to be, to go all the way. Um, Paul, I know like could be that guy who could make an immediate impact unless they shut him down after the, based on how far he makes it through college, um, season, but, um, he could very well be somebody you see pitch in the major leagues as soon as like this fall or next year. Um, so the immediate value on Paul might actually be a little bit higher, um, but I do see Dylan making his way into a lineup within the next couple of years and being a total game changer just based on his plate discipline. And I think that that plate discipline is something that's very unique. Um, a lot of times you see guys and, and think you see a little bit of that in Tommy White. Like, I mean, he's a nation's like freshman home run leader last year. Right. And so pitchers know that and they're going to, they're not going to pitch to these guys. Um, and so you have to adjust your game. And the fact that Dylan Cruz has adjusted his game for now the third year in a row and playing his best ball, I think that says a lot. And people are going to be like, well, I don't know. Like, it's not like he's hitting like a home run as like every day. He's not leading the team in home runs. He still has a lot of them, 
Um, he was like 15 or 16, but he's not the leader. Um, but it's his on base percentage. Like it's the fact that like his strikeout rate is like 10%. Like this kid is always going to get on base. So I think that's what stands out and that people kind of forget. Yeah, both talented, right? I don't think you're upset with either one if you're drafting at the top of the draft. And, and like something I almost always wanted to ask a baseball coach is what's more important, right? A pitcher or a hitter? You know, obviously we know what Jay Johnson would say, but you've seen in the MLB where you have a certain guy like a Garrett Cole uh, and Aaron Nola, they go out, you're like pretty sure you're going to win that game, right? Like who has that has more of that impact? Always wanted to ask a baseball coach that, but uh, kind of just wanted to get your thoughts. Um, two last questions for you. Um, one, just kind of LSU's opponent this weekend. I know a lot of people have been saying, and I've been saying this, I wish LSU South Carolina would play that third game, right? South Carolina loses a series to Auburn. Does that tell us more about South Carolina or more about this Auburn team LSU is going to face? Yeah, you know, I remember I was watching like kind of these, I was kind of watching the scores of these of this matchup this weekend thinking, oh my God, this is kind of surprising because I think Auburn lost a lot of guys and um, lost, you know, their top guy in Sonny DeShera from last year. And I don't truly, I haven't looked into their team too deeply yet, but they weren't off to a good start and they weren't predicted to be anything. Um, you know, I think again, yeah, we will never know what happened with that third game for South Carolina. I think that would have told us a lot. I think South Carolina is a little bit um, stronger on, I, I want to say they're stronger on the pitching side than LSU is, but we didn't see the third game and the third game tells you who's left in the bullpen. Right. And so I do know that South Carolina has got some powerful hitters. I think Ethan Petrie, the freshman, the one that got the first home run off the year um, off of Paul Skeens, he was, he's going to be a big time star, um, in college baseball. Um, so, you know, I think South Carolina is a strong team and this may have been just one of those situations where like shit happens, right? Like it's college baseball and they had a bad weekend and that is definitely likely. I don't know if it's telling, I have to go back and look at the numbers. I don't know if it's telling that like, you know, they've lost a lot of guys or they have some weaknesses. Um, I think Auburn probably knows that it's nearing the end of the season. It's on the, it's going to be a bubble team. And so like, they're going to play, they're going to give everybody their best shot because they, they need all the wins they could possibly get. Um, so when you have more to gain um, and South Carolina is pretty comfortable right now, kind of like LSU, I think, you know, it's not that you play harder, but you know, it is kind of like a thing where um, it's, I can't remember what the saying is. Uh, yeah. I, I just think that when you have more to gain out of the situation, I mean, if LSU loses the series to Auburn, they haven't yet lost an SEC series. So it really won't be a huge deal. Um, but if Auburn wins, it would be a huge deal for them. So it's a little bit more meaningful. Yeah, if LSU loses the series, it'll be like, man, now we even more so wish South Carolina and LSU would have played that third game. Uh, almost like a way to kind of differ the two teams. Um, I, I saw Todd Pollitz, uh put out that LSU is outpacing the gorilla ball years. Do you think they can continue that throughout the rest of the season? I think they definitely could on down the stretch. I mean, you think about who they have left 
um, on the SEC schedule. They have arguably the weakest teams left uh, past Auburn. Uh, you got Mississippi State and Georgia. I think Georgia got beat by Ole Miss this weekend, two to one. Uh, Mississippi State, we know, is not the team that Mississippi State normally is. Um, so yeah, you. I think <laughs> I think they could totally like be on pace to um to surpass those years um and then you've got you still have the sec tournament which will be a lot of reps and then a whole postseason and we don't know where that's gonna go but shoot i mean there's a lot of baseball left to be played people are like saying oh my god it's almost the end of the season shoot it's not the end of the season <laughs> i'm out of town half the month of may for this team like this is we're just getting started yeah and and you know, the SEC tournament's always long, then you never know what happens in postseason, right? Just mm-hmm. seems like uh, as it gets hotter, more baseball is getting played for the Tigers, especially this team. But to follow everything over at LSU, she's one of the best that does it. Uh, follow Leah Van on Twitter at LVan underscore sports. Leah, what do you have coming up on The Advocate? Um, yeah, well, I'll be at the midweek game tomorrow in, uh, Hammond. Um, and I think I'm writing a little bit, a little piece on the bullpen before then. So keep an eye on that. And then later this week, I'll have a feature on Alex Milazzo. So keep an eye out. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Want to thank Leah for coming on. Appreciate it. Like I said, look, she's one of the best when it comes to covering LSU baseball. Um, I know she hasn't been around for too long. Um, I think this is her second, maybe third year covering, but Awesome to have her on. We're definitely going to have her back on. We're going to have some more guests to talk about LSU baseball uh, probably next week or the week after. But um, look, man, that LSU team is rolling. They're yeah, they rolling. are. And, and I tell you what, uh, she talked about it, um, you know, with teams facing, you know, injuries and things like that. Uh, heard something on the radio today that Hunt Palmer did uh, talking about guys in the SEC and their ERA and teams struggling and that. The ball's different this year. Teams are scoring a lot more runs. Uh, talked about in the interview with uh, Todd Pollitz, put it out, um, and I probably butchered his last name. It's either Pollitz or Pollitz. Um, but he came out and he said that LSU is outpacing all of the gorilla ball years in terms of runs scored to date. So, um, look, that is uh, that's wild. So yeah, that's crazy. I, I think I think that's something to look at. LSU's got a great offense, one through probably fifteen on their team can hit the ball well, if not one through 16, uh, if you're really being honest. So excited to see what the Tigers can do as they go into a road swing, as they will go out to Southeastern, uh, I believe tonight or tomorrow night. I think it's tonight uh, if this come, as this comes out on Tuesday. And then they'll go out to Auburn, a team that just took two or three from South Carolina. So uh, something to watch. Um, but, Lyndon, let's talk about it, man. The NBA playoffs. Whoa. Um, and and mind you, tonight, I we I thought Philly was done. For them to beat Boston 119 to 115, Boston needs their butt whip, bro. That's embarrassing. Yeah, man. I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, Joel. Like, huh? I thought James Harden was cooked. He drops, what, 45? Like, what? 45, six assists? Tyrese Maxey coming with 26? If Boston loses this series, you got to break up Tatum and Brown. I'm sorry. It's just, it's not working at that point. If they can't beat the Sixers. Yeah, look, I I agree. And I think that you can make a case that the Sixers may be the fourth best team that's left in the East right now. 
our third best team. I mean, depends on what night you get from the Knicks and the um, Heat, <laughs> and, and the heat right? I, I mean, look, if Jimmy Butler's playing, then I think that they're better than the Sixers and that they would they beat should the Sixers. Be. But um, look, I and maybe I'll I'll, I'll track back <laughs> and say that they're the third best team. But still, look, the Celtics. Something we talked about is the Celtics war were the overall favorite to win the East. And they come out, they lose first game, they they turn over home court advantage, and they lose to a team that doesn't have Joel Embiid. Yeah. Who they knew Joel Embiid wasn't playing, right? This yep. is so easy to get a game. So easy to get a game. And what do they do? They let James Harden score 45. Like, and where was what? the defense in this game? You know? Zero, bro. Zero. Hard, they shot... The 76ers shot 50% from the field, 44% from three. And the thing is, Boston kept shooting threes and kept missing. 38%. When you see you're missing, you got to stop. Go inside. You're beating him in points in the paint, 66 to 42. Why aren't you trying to dominate the paint? Stop trying to shoot these threes and be pretty. Go inside. They have no inside present without Joel. Tatum should be on the block every time, killing them. Or you should have Brown on the block. Someone, these guards cannot take the pounding that the Sixers can give them, especially with no Joel Embiid. This was a big, big miss by the six by the Celtics losing tonight. Were you surprised that Grant Williams only played four minutes tonight? A little bit. A little bit. Like I feel like I feel like he's losing his spot. And I I don't know if this new coach likes him in terms of likes what he brings. I don't think he, the way that Jonas doesn't really fit the, um, I'm, how am I blanking on our coach's name? Uh, the Willie Green offense, I don't think Grant, in the Willie Green system, I don't think Grant Williams fits the, uh, Mathu- how do you say his last name? The um, the Celtics coach, uh, Mathus, or I'm going to look it up. Joe Missoula, that's it. I don't think he fits the Missoula system. And it's weird that yeah. one of the guys that played a lot last year in, in the road to the finals, who was very vital, only gets four minutes. That's very weird to me. Yeah, look, I agree with that. Like, and, and that's why I brought it up is, you know, Grant Williams, a guy that is a hustler that, you know, gives you his all, that plays defense, right? You would think he'd be a guy that would get more minutes tonight, you yep. know? Like four minutes, I mean, that's like... It's a little weird. <laughs> Let, let's let's take some guys out and get them some rest with one minute left in the quarter. Like, um, I, like I, Sam I really... Hauser played more minutes than Grant Williams. Let me look up see if he's injured. Like that, he might have to be. And, and and that could have happened. I didn't watch the game. Uh, I'll preface that and say that I didn't did not watch the game at all. Uh, to be honest, um, I like when I looked the score up, I was like, what in the hell happened, right? The Joel no, Embiid somehow injured. play. No, he he didn't. You know, it's it's just it's crazy how this NBA playoffs or how the NBA playoffs are going this season, right? It's like it it, it you can't bet on these games. <laughs> you no, know, no like way. I, I I thought the Heat uh, the Heat game one against the Knicks it was a lock. I actually won money on that. I was happy about that, <laughs> but. Uh, tonight, I was like, oh, I'm all in on the Celtics winning, and I should have taken the plus nine. That was a mistake. But, <laughs> like, I mean, Lyndon, you know, like, does this change how you feel about the series? Uh, no, no, no. I mean, it definitely makes it go longer than I thought. Uh, uh, but, like, 
I'm still going to believe in the greatness of Tatum. I'm still going to believe in the greatness of Brown. But let me just be honest. If going, if they, if, if going into game two, the Celtics don't outright beat them and it's close, then I'm getting worried for real. Like, but I will say the longer the series goes, the more in the favor it is for the Celtics because Philly needs to kind of get this done with no Joel. You, you need to win fast because the longer you have Harden out there, the longer, the more he loses his juice. And we know he's someone in the playoffs that falls short when he's tired and fatigued. So the longer this goes, it, it for it's bad for the Celtics. But I do think if Philly comes out and has game two within two, three, four, five, they can easily win game three, and this is a bloodbath, which the Celtics don't need because Miami's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Look, man, I, I think that they're just, you know, so it, it, it's like the, the Celtics, you would expect them to win all their home court games and not even have to make it to seven. They would steal one or two. Exactly. Um, and, and look, the crazy thing is, is like with two minutes and 40 seconds that Boston had the lead, you know, exactly. they were up 111, 107. I was listening you, to the game. You, I didn't, you, I didn't watch it. I was listening to it because I was driving. You, you expect them to be able to take care of business. And, and it's like all of a sudden the 76 ers turned the defense on, yep. you know, and, and Boston didn't know what to do. Really credit to Doc Rivers tonight. Right. And, you know, we don't uh, give him credit often. And, you know, shout out to Tobias Harris, who we called old. He found some juice, but he played great defense on Tatum and Brown switching out. I know Tatum got 39, but he made it difficult for him, as well as with P.J. Tucker. And then also got to credit D'Anthony Melton off the bench getting 17 where they desperately needed it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, it, it it's just one of those games where it's like nothing went right for the Celtics down the end. Where you know they're not getting foul calls, they're not making the shots. Is uh, you look at the last two minutes, last three minutes of the game, and, and the 76 are able to take care of business. They were able Thanks. to make tough shots. They were able to get the foul call. They were aggressive in terms of driving into the basket. And, and it's like, look, Boston, if you're going to want to win a championship, if you're going to want to win the East, you're going to have to make those shots. You know, you're going to have to play grown man basketball. Um, and and, and you know. You're going to need more from Al Horford if he's going to be playing it down the stretch. Definitely. You know, you're, you're going to need him to step up. Now he made a bucket late. Um, 11 to, and 12 from Marcus Smart and Al Horford isn't good. Like, those are your guys that need 15. No, and look, I agree with you. I mean, absolutely, I agree with you. And it's like, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's just easy mistakes that they shouldn't have made. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, why, why are you doing, you know, throwing the ball away? Like, why are you giving easy uncontested baskets up to the 76ers? Like, <laughs> you know, and, and, and the 76ers even give you a chance to, to, to win the game. And, and what do you do? You know, you, yep. you get Jason Tatum to the line. He's able to make his shots. And, and then, you know, you have the lead. And you're not able to lock up and play defense. And it's just one of those things where it's like that switch is coming, right? Al Horford can't can't um guard James Harden. I'm pretty sure I just said Anthony Davis, but uh not James Harden J- James Harden will not be guarded by Al Horford. Never. Right. And, and I think that was the difference in tonight's game is crazy three minutes, right? <laughs> you know, crazy three minutes to watch. 
um, as the 76ers are able to win. And why uh, is, not to cut you off, why is Marcus Smart taking the last shot of the game for the Celtics? <clears throat> Bro, if I was a Celtics fan, that would piss me off every time. If it's not Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, let it at least be Al Horford. Marcus Smart should never shoot the last shot of the game. I'm but I mean, sorry. they were down. They were down by four, so it's like it didn't. No, no, no. Anybody, I'm talking you know? one seven. Okay, no, no. One seventeen to one fifteen. Eight point four seconds left in the game. They give the ball to Marcus Smart, and he drives and does this layup on 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 a uh, Harden. And as he's driving to the hole, he he tries to do a weird pass to Tatum. Tatum d- fumbles and hits the other guy. Like, I don't want Marcus Smart with the ball in his hand with 8.4 seconds. I'm sorry. I just don't. Yeah, yeah, I agree with, with that. And then you get the foul, and, and the game's over at that yeah. point. Yeah. But, you know, like I asked you, I said, this has changed the series outlook for you. You said no. So do you think the Celtics still take care of business? I do. I'm picking the Celtics in seven, but it shouldn't go to seven. Like, like I'm only picking it going to seven because of this game, and I'm going to put some respect on the Sixers. But it should have been a gentleman sweep. That's what this should have been. It should have been, like you said, win your home games, take one in Philly, go back home, end it. But now we're going to have to play to at least six or seven, so I'm going to pick the Celtics in seven. Yeah, and, and look, um, I want to say that the Celtics are going to take care of it in six. And <laughs> After I, this, I, I, I don't think, know. <laughs> I think they can. I do too. But, but they stole a game without Embiid. And I think that's something that can't be forgotten, right? Yeah, you can't. That you if can't they would have done this that. with Embiid and Harden scores forty-five, then I'm sitting there thinking, oh, you know, okay, right? They got one, you know. But this is forty-five from Harden, and Embiid didn't play. So, oh um, wait, OMG! I got it. I got to tell you this because this is breaking news. Ohio sports books told to halt betting on games involving Alabama baseball after suspicious activity. Interesting. I don't know what that's going to mean. I'll let you look more into it going into next week's episode, but that was just dropped. Uh, so, yeah, I just want to make sure we got that on this week's podcast. Not Louisiana next- sports books, though. <laughs> uh-huh. And I think it's crazy because LSU played Bama last weekend. Yeah, it, and it, it, it was. Um, but, yeah, but back, back to the NBA. was always one in that series. Yeah, but for sure. Anyway. Um, all right, but... Uh, Look, I agree with you. I think that seven makes the most sense. I really, like I was saying, I really think that they could t- take care of business in six, but winning that game without Embiid uh, kind of sets it back. <laughs> yeah, it does. Sets it back. Like, Celtics need a win-one to make it a series again, right? Facts. Because uh, if Embiid plays in game two, they don't take care of business. 76ers are probably going to beat the Celtics, and I feel confident with saying that, right? I, I do expect the Celtics to play better in game two. I expect them to finish the game, uh, finish strong, which they weren't able to, to do tonight. But if Embiid's there, I think it's a very difficult for them to win that game. I'm I, with I, you. I think it is. I think I'm it is. It's going to be difficult for them to win the series um, if Embiid's able to stay healthy throughout the rest of the se- series. Um, all right. We talked about it in the East, Heat Knicks. Uh, game that I said I bet on. They got some money thanks to the Heat, but Jimmy Butler goes down. I, you know, listening, ankle. I think he'll be okay. Li- listening, back. listening to people, you know, and and guys that played in the NBA on the radio today, they were all saying, send him back to Miami. Send him back. Oh, and wait till loss. Saturday. Yeah, wait till Saturday. Get him as much treatment as he needs, and you'll be fine. 
I, you think Jimmy gonna do that? No, he's not, he's not the type. No, to do that. yeah, he's playing in the next game. <laughs> yeah, I mean that man's gonna hobble around, hurt himself worse, and they're gonna lose the series because he couldn't just sit at home for a few days. You know, I hope. Okay, I'll say this because I think I think he'll test it and see. But I'm st- I'm liking Miami in this series, man. Is it? I, I, to your point, if if they do what you said, I like them even more. But I need to see Jimmy how he comes out because we know with sprained ankles, there's different levels. It's it's different. Like, if is this super severe to where he needs to sit, or is this one where we tape it up, give him a little cortisone, he all right? That's what we need to see at the beginning of the game. But my goodness, for my for Miami to come out and figure out the defense to stop the Knicks with no uh Randall, as long as they keep playing, build the wall on Brunson and enforce difficult things. The Knicks don't have anybody else besides Brunson to take over a game. That's where I lean to the heat because as bad as Kyle Lowry is, you still have Kyle Lowry and Bam Adebayo. Like, I'm sorry. You still have those two guys. The Knicks Man, outside of I, I, Brunson I won't have let you, no... I won't, I, won't let you, I won't let you say anything about Kyle Lowry. I All right, fine. Played, I'll take Bam, I'll take I, Bam Adebayo. I, I thought he played better um, he did. than I was expecting last game. Picked it up a little bit. But but yeah, the Knicks do. I mean, R.J. Barrett was uh, leading the Knicks with twenty six points. He had twenty six, seven, and nine. He was a he was a rebound and three assists away from a triple double. Put up great stats. And, and look, I I don't, I don't see a reason why Julius Randle doesn't doesn't come back. Now, see, that's you know? the thing. If he does, if, if Julius Randle comes back, and look, I think it's I don't I think either way, right? If Jimmy Butler doesn't play, I think the Knicks win the series. Ooh, okay, real. Interesting. I'm picking... I think the series is over if Jimmy Butler doesn't play another game. I'm picking the Heat in seven. I'm picking the Heat in seven. I do think Jimmy Butler plays, but I think Bam Adebayo finds some some soul in his body to step up He needs up to find some because he didn't have any soul in game one. He did not. And Six, without Julius Randle playing. 16 points is not going to cut it. If you want to be considered an all-star, a top-five center, you got to go out and ball uh, at a bio. But I'm not betting against Jimmy. I'm just not. Playoff Jimmy is a real thing. And I just don't buy the Knicks. And I, But I understand but, why but, okay, you're picking okay, the Knicks. But, I do. Okay, I'm, not, I'm not picking the Knicks. Oh, okay. I, I'm picking the Knicks only if Jimmy doesn't play. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. If gotcha, Jimmy gotcha, plays, gotcha. then I have the heat. But if Jimmy doesn't play, the series is over. Oh, no, for sure. I agree with that. I agree with that. Okay. I agree with that, sure, but, I, but I just, I just think the, the same page. I think, I think Jimmy's playing. That's why I'm not even, I'm not even talking because I'm because Jimmy Butler doesn't seem like that type of guy. But to your point, no, 100. If Jimmy Butler's not playing, the Knicks will win, and their Cinderella story will end in the next round. <laughs> like, <they're>, yeah, <laughs> there's no all the Knicks fans out there y'all aren't making the NBA Finals. If y'all do, hey, you know Good what? Luck. I'll come on Good this luck. podcast and and we're, be shirtless. And right across my man titties, Knicks. <laughs> that will not happen. That's how, no confident. That That's how there confident. That's how I'm confident. No, 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 no. I'll bet them. <laughs> Knicks fans, I'm telling you, if y'all make the NBA finals across these man boobs, I'll put Knicks. And on my back, I'll put Brunson. <laughs> All right, let's get to the West. So you can stop <laughs> talking about putting Knicks on your chest. Um, what? Look, no, the, the West is fun. <laughs> the, the West is fun, right? Suns, Nuggets right now, it's 42-40 at halftime. Yep. Nuggets dominated game one. Absolutely it's, dominated game one. It's what one. we said, the depth, man. Like, the Suns have nobody besides their starters. And if Aiden wants to just watch people go after rebounds, they're not going to win. Aiden... 
Charles, I can't believe that position. My grandpa would have had an aneurysm if he was his coach. <laughs> Aiden was literally, they shot the ball. He went out of bounds thinking they were going to make it. Stayed out of bounds for like 10 seconds. And it was like, oh, now I'll jump in the play. Kate, no wonder why Katie was so upset at him. Like, what are you doing? Look, this, this is this is halftime. And, and we'll talk about game one. But this is halftime right now for the Suns. And look, they are up 42-40 right now, right? Mm-hmm. Aiden has 10. Duran has nine. Booker has 17. Uh, Josh has two. You've got two points from um, (laughs) Biombo. And then Chris Paul has two points. If the Suns are going to win this series, if they're going to have hope at winning this series, they need more from Chris Paul. Definitely. Absolutely need more from Chris Paul. Look, Aiton, Durant, Booker, that's a three-headed monster, you know? And and like you said, you, you need more from Aiton. But you need more from your facilitator. Facts. This, this offense isn't what it is without Chris Paul. And, and and I think that they're, I mean, to be frank, they're uh, exposing Chris Paul in the series. You know? Yep. Jamal Murray is, is showing his age. He's showing Chris Paul's age. And Chris Paul can't do a lot of that defensive stuff that he was doing uh, earlier in his career. And, and honestly, we saw it with Jose Alvarado. If someone just challenges him, he, get, he loses his game. And Jamal Murray is looking like Jamal Murray from the bubble, finally. And I like that guy, man. I really do. I like Murray's game. I like how he plays with Jokic together, how it's more of Murray's the scorer, Jokic will facilitate. I like how Murray sets picks for Jokic. The way they play basketball is very fun to watch and very interesting. I'm liking the Nuggets in seven, man, just because of the depth issue. Man, uh, it's I, don't tough. Pick, I don't want to get my pick yet. I want to make a point. And Go that's- ahead. That's the age thing I think is important for the Nuggets uh, because I think that they are they're playing with a smaller rotation and they are getting more out of their guys. Right. Yep. And, and it's not just Jokic. It's, you know, you're getting a lot of production out of Aaron Gordon, which is yep. good to see. Um, I, I don't think we've had our best game from uh, Caldwell Pope yet. No. Nope. Uh, Jamal Murray, like we said, is doing a great job with Chris Paul right now. Uh, I Bruce Brown is being that six man from the Nets. He's doing the exactly the Bruce, Brown Bruce, stuff. Bruce Brown is doing what you want to see. And, and Michael Porter's there, you yep. know, and, and it's like, I don't think this is a seven game series. Oh, I don't know if this is a six game series. Interesting. Yeah. I'm giving Kevin. I'm, I, I, let me tell you, I put, I picked seven solely on the fact that I respect Kevin Durant, but you're one, like keep cooking. Cause I'm just not, I just didn't want to say it, but you're right though. You're, you're absolutely right. Like, and, and that's the thing, right? You know, if, if the combination between Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter can bring, put it to Kevin Durant, you know, they are forcing this team to shoot from the outside yep. uh, with their rim protection with Jokic. And, and I think that that's hurting this team beyond what people expected, right? Uh, you know, the Nuggets overall favorite game one and game two. I know some of that's being the home court advantage, but let's see game three, right? I, I think that the Nuggets are able to take care of business in a close game right now. Look, like you said, I mean, it's going to have to take some heroic performances from Booker and Durant. I don't think he's going to be the guy that wins it. I don't think Chris Paul deciding to score 15 points in one night is going to be the reason why you you win a game either. No. Uh, It's really going to take the best of KD and the best of Booker. I agree with you 100%. And then when it comes to (laughs) Dylan Brooks, (laughs) I was so happy. 
Dylan, wait, let wait, me... wait, let me make. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Whoa, oh, make your pick. Whoa. My bad, my bad. I thought you made your pick. Oh, I made my pick. <laughs> the series is over. We're talking about the Lakers and the Warriors, man. <laughs> I gotta give Dylan Brooks that smoke. You can't be a, a poop talker and then run away from the media. You know, I don't like that. If you, I, I, I'm I all for, I'm all for shit talk. I'm, you know, I love it. I was a shit talker on the court, but when it, when I took a L, I took it like a man. You gotta no, you take didn't. it like a man. Yeah, I did. No, I, didn't. Didn't, I didn't run away from the shit talk. <laughs> I took it. You gotta you, take you it. held your, you had your held down, your held head down, but I your took head it. held down, and and you took it right. I took <laughs> but, it. You gotta take but it. But you didn't say anything, and, and you're upset because Dylan Brooks doesn't say anything. You wouldn't say anything either. So I wouldn't I, run I from not, the media. I will not let that be allowed. No, nah, because let me say this. You know, my grandpa would not let me run from the. If, if people had to ask me questions, I'd have to sit my happy ass there and 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 answer. I, you know that. That's a fact. Dude, your your mom. <laughs> Your mom and your grandma were answering all the questions for you from the uh, from the sideline. Nah, they know? were they were being mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> they were saying airball when I missed. <laughs> so there was no support in the Burton household. I can attest to that. It was a lot um, of it was fin for yourself. <laughs> but but let's talk about the series, right? Golden State Lakers. Um, Golden State playing great basketball, in my opinion. Steph figured uh, it out. He what did. What are you, what are your thoughts? I think the 50 point game was Steph Curry and the, and I'm I'm going back to go forward cuz this will explain how I feel about the series. The 50 point game showed Steph is in complete control of basketball. This is the time that we've seen that was the most comfortable I've seen Steph Curry not from behind the court inside the paint. Going into the paint, making floaters, dishing, getting his teammates involved, and then playing defense. If Steph Curry's playing like this, the Lakers can't beat them. I'm sorry. And and the reason why I say can't is because I know for a fact Anthony Davis is not going to play well every game of the series. For the Lakers to win, Anthony Davis cannot take a night off. Not, not, not a 12 points game one, 30 game two, Eight game three, 40 game four. That can't happen because if that happens, Steph Curry's at a point right now to where he is feeling incredible. And like we said in the episode before, Wiggins is back. And with Wiggins being back, Steph has a guy he can play with. The Warriors look good, man, coming out of uh, coming out of uh, the last game with Sacramento. And I think that's going to carry over into the Lakers. The Lakers series is determined by will Anthony Davis give you Anthony Davis like performances every night? And I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, look, um, I, I don't think that this is going to be a good time for Lakers fans. Um, I think that, you know, I was listening to first take, I think it was today or it was on. Uh, yeah, it was today. And, um, you know, Greeny said, you know, all those years there was talk about, you know, should Steph have won finals MVP? Was it Steph on this team or was it all the other people that were around him? I think Steph's showing that it was Steph. It was, right? Yeah, man. It was Steph. He is that guy. He is the man. He is the best short basketball player to ever play this game. Arguably the best point guard ever. And you could you could make a case that today he's the best player in the NBA. I'm sorry. Giannis, you're not in the playoffs anymore. Like, it's, <laughs> you're not in the playoffs. Today, Steph Curry may be the best player in the in, in, in the playoffs currently. Like it it you gotta give that man his flowers. Yes, absolutely. Look, I mean, he is 
And, and look, LeBron will probably score 30 in a game. Oh, and everyone's yeah. like, oh, LeBron. But <laughs> hey, then but Steph's going to drop gonna do, on him. So. LeBron's going to do LeBron things. In this series, I'm not worried about LeBron. This series doesn't come down to LeBron. This series comes down to who's supposed it, to be the Lakers, the Lakers' go-to guy. The guy that LeBron and right chose, now it's Anthony Davis. It's Anthony Davis, yeah. And, with, and, and 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 Draymond Green is going to be a huge impact on this team because I think he's going to drive Anthony Davis crazy. Insane. I think he's going to drive him <laughs> insane. He's going to frustrate him. Anthony Davis is going to be fussing about calls. Anthony Davis will probably get hurt one game, miss the next, and that'll be it for the Lakers, and, right? And look, and let me LeBron's tell you this. going to try to save them. But you know what LeBron's going to do? And this is what's going to be the death of LeBron in the series. He's going to try to guard Steph if Steph is hot, and he won't be able to do it. He will not be able to do it. No, also, shout out to the dogs. So my dog is running around <laughs> making a bunch why, of noise. I don't know why my girlfriend let her in, let her in here. Sheila, go in the front. I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners. This is Go in the front, Sheila. <laughs> All right, that was Sheila. But no, to your point, the Anthony Davis thing, and, and I have to say this. If we saw Xavier Tillman kill Anthony Davis, my goodness, what is Looney going to do? <laughs> Looney is, Looney is the unsung hero of Golden State. Looney Tunes bringing Looney Tunes to the Lakers. I mean, bro, he didn't. Sub, uh, Draymond didn't stop Sabonis. It was Looney, and you got to give Looney his credit. If if AD suffered, struggled with Xavier Tillman and Jaron Jackson, Looney's gonna give him a world. Of, Looney and Draymond are gonna give him a world of trouble. Absolutely. So look, listen to this podcast. Watch the game tonight. Right? Oh, we gotta give our picks. We gotta give picks for the Lakers. Who do you, Warriors. Who, who do you have in that series? I have the Warriors taking it in six. Mm. Six. That's mm. the only one I'm picking in six because, like I said, I think Anthony Davis taking one game off is going to sway the series. Yeah, I agree with that. I think six is it makes the most sense. Um, look, kind of similar to the Suns Nuggets, I wouldn't be surprised if this went uh, five. Ooh. You know, it is. I just don't trust everything that the Lakers have around them. And I'll probably eat crow on this. I'm eating crow like crazy on this episode. If things go <laughs> the opposite other way. of what I'm yeah. saying, right? <laughs> but um, I just don't think the Lakers can get it done. I, I don't think they can. I don't think that they are a championship team uh, this year. I, I, I This is what we said uh, on the last podcast. Whoever won that Lakers uh, Memphis series was getting there, getting the smoke. And yeah, they're absolutely going to get the smoke and, and look, you can get a little shimmy from Steph Curry uh, because he's going to be hot. I mean, he already <laughs> is hot. And, 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 and look, you know, we talked about, you know, the bigs in the series and I think the bigs are important, right? But let's, let's not fail to mention something that I think is going to be important for the series as well. You're right. Uh, coming from the golden state warriors and, and, and look, you know, they, they came out, they played some grown man basketball, but what did they get? They got production from other guys, um, you know, that you've been waiting to see. And 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 Clay had a good game. Yeah, you know? he did. I think Clay having a good game is important. I think Wiggins having good game, a good game is important because those two guys are going to be matched up with LeBron, and it's going to be important for those guys to be able to run, score, defend. Right. And on the flip, Jordan who's going to guard being a bum? <laughs> like, who's going to guard them for the Lakers? Austin Reeves and Ru- D'Angelo Russell? Yeah, and, and look, ah. it, Jordan Poole needs to play better, man. Yeah, he does. Jordan Poole needs to play better because this team won't beat the Nuggets. 
if they don't get better play from Jordan Poole. Facts. Steph Curry isn't scoring 30 points every game. Poole needs to do better than putting up eight points. No, you're you know? absolutely right. You're um, absolutely he, right. He's getting paid way too much to be putting up those numbers. That's why the coach was fussing at him during the game. I mean, Steph fussed at him, the coach. Draymond, they were like, Draymond, you don't have to say nothing. Steph and the coach <laughs> fussed at him. Like, it was bad, man. He has yeah. to, like you said, you can't be making that money and not performing, acting like, and then waving to women in the crowd, doing, <laughs> being a showboat. Like, come on, Jordan Poole. At least get 15 points, man. At least. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. Look, I mean, his last three games, he went, what, five, seven, and ten? Ooh, that's bad. You know? And over 20 minutes played in every single matchup. Yeah, it's not going to cut it's it. And it's like, you know, Steph's out here averaging over 30. Clay's trying to get into the 20s, mid-20s. And Wiggins is giving you 20 every single night. It's like, you're supposed to be that answer, man. Yeah, you are. You're supposed you're... to be that answer, to let Draymond Green do things other than have to score the basketball, Facts. you know? So, um, I, look, I, I think that that Lakers series can be interesting. It could be fun. I think you get good games from Austin Reeves um, and Anthony Davis, and, and you can pull one or two out. I just don't know if they can consistently put it together. That's and the thing. Le- LeBron lovers are going to come out and say, Oh, well, LeBron's going to do the X, Y, and Z. He will. <laughs> he will. That's not what he we're will. questioning. <laughs> he will. He won't do it as, uh, look, I, I'm, I, you know, you came on here when we started talking about this series. You wanted to give the smoke back to Memphis. You did, right? Mm-hmm. He never put up those 40 points. He didn't. Yeah, you're right. You know, right. He, he's, he's getting older. He is. It's a long season, right? He had to do a lot for this team to make it to the playoffs. And he's playing against a team that runs, absolutely runs. I mean, you get your eyes get tired just watching Steph on a single <laughs> possession. That's what you fact. know. Like, I expect that to happen in this series. No, you know, I agree. I, I I expect the constant form of elevated NBA form of ESA motion to you know to be able <laughs> the, to run the highest level. <laughs> absolutely, to be able to run the Lakers out of the gym, but. Um, you, you got our picks, you got our picks. And I, I think that, um, there's some exciting basketball to watch. Um, obviously right now, Suns, uh, leading 57, 51. So, uh, Suns trying to steal a game back to even the series. Um, but I think that, you know, there's exciting narratives to watch, right? Uh, you still see the injuries hampering some series with Joel and B Jimmy Butler, Obviously, Tyler Hero's out, but yeah, you know, you have big impact injuries that are Julius Randle that are impacting these series. See if these guys can get back, right? Let's see if these guys can get back. Let's see if we can get some production from some of the guys that we we talked about stepping up uh, to create a great basketball environment. But it's good, right? This is good basketball to watch. Thanks. You have some of the largest and biggest franchises playing basketball. It's a good time for the NBA. It's a good time for the NBA playoffs. I agree. You said it the best that I could say. So I agree with you 100%. So to wrap it up, want to thank Leah again for coming on, giving us some of her time. Y'all go follow her at LVAN, uh, or I think it's LVAN underscore sports. Let me double check that real quick. Lyndon, where can people find you at on social media? You can follow me at LynnBWT, follow the bros who think, at bros who think. Be sure if you're in the Baton Rouge area, this weekend, May the 6th, we're doing BWT Live. 
where I will be sitting down with a bunch of different people. We're going to be doing a music industry slash podcasting industry Q&A with uh, the co-host, Jeremy Hill, former LSU running backs co-host of his podcast, Adam Dollars. He'll be on the, po- he'll be on the panel. Uh, music artist Jaira will be on the panel. Record uh, local record label owner Jalen Quinn will be on the panel, and local producer extraordinaire who produced for like NBA YoungBoy, um, uh, um, man, I'm Fredo Bang, all the big popping Louisiana artists. This guy's produced for my man Swiger, so that'll be the panel, and then. The main course will be me interviewing the rapper Jaira about his new album. So be sure to come out. Doors open at 5, 1600 Government Street in Baton Rouge at, at the uh, event building Yes We Cannibal. Make sure you check that out. BWT Live. I'm super excited. The first Bros Who Think podcast that's done live. We've done Anime Talk. We've done Bros Who Binge at multiple cons. This is the first BWT Live. So make sure if you're in Baton Rouge, 5 o'clock, come out. And then uh, the release schedule is going to be the same as always. Wednesday, Bros Who Binge is dropping. Uh, Thursday, Run It Back is dropping. Friday, the Bros Who Think podcast is dropping. And throughout the week, there'll be a bunch of YouTube content. But if you follow us on Twitter at Bros Who Think, you'll be up to date on all of that. What day is that event in Batterish? Uh May the 6th, this upcoming Saturday. May the 6th. Y'all be out there, especially all you Baton Rouge people that listen in and tune into the Primetime Podcast, especially you LSU fans. LSU's on the road this weekend. So go check out the first ever live production of the Bros. BWT Live, baby. That's what we're calling it. Go ahead, follow the Primetime Podcast on Twitter, primetime underscore pod, for all of our uh, episodes, all of our content, uh, tweeting about sports daily, uh, giving some insight and some, I guess, thoughts into what's going on in the sports world, as I did just see that stuff about the Alabama game. (laughs) Uh, Some suspicious betting happened uh, coming from what (laughs) seems like the Alabama side. So, But uh, be sure to check this out. If you're listening to audio, check out the YouTube. Subscribe to the Bros You Think Podcast Network, uh, wherever you get this. But for Lyndon Burton, for Leah Van, my name's Charles Reese. Y'all have a great week. Enjoy some sports and stay blessed.